Hey everyone, we had a technical difficulty with the video, like halfway through, it like wasn't recording, we kind of lost the first half of this whole discussion. Absolutely not worth us trying to recreate it with the video because it would be scripted and crappy and that's really not us. So no video for the first half. There will still put stuff here on YouTube, the stuff up on the screen, and then it'll pop in on the second half. If you're watching on the podcast, this literally has no impact on you on any way, shape, or form. So you do you and just live your life. But Anyways. just know that we love you equally. Yes. Boop. Welcome, everyone, to Monsters and Multiclass, your Dungeons and Dragons fix. I'm Kevin Odie. I'm Jared Bornigle. And I'm Will Melder. And we'll be hanging out with you for a while to talk about anything and everything D&D related. On this episode, we are taking a very quick look at the optional class features for Bards added in Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, and then the bulk of the episode will be on the College of Creation, also added in Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. So, let's dive into it. And before the actual full dive, just a quick little note, College of Eloquence, also in Tasha's, is a reprint. We already covered it in a Mythic Odyssey Odyssey of Theros episode, which will be on YouTube, this card's going on, so check that out, so we will not be talking about that. Today or to next week or whatever. Or next year or so, anytime. Yeah, it's never yeah, coming out. We already out. did. Yes, it's already been talked about. It's pretty neat. Check out the video. All right, so the optional class features, uh, there's not a whole lot. There's additional bard spells added. It's just new spells on their list that they could pick from. Bards are not preparation casters, so they just pick it and know it at all times. It's a little superfluous for bards because they have magical secrets. Uh, lore bards get it at 6th and then 10th and a bunch of levels after every other bard starts getting at 10th. Where they could pick, I'm pretty sure it's two spells each time they get it from, it's one or two spells, um, from any spell list in the game. Any spell. From any spell list in the game as long as they have the level appropriate for it. So in a sense they've already had all of these. And I don't know if I would say any of these are so good that they would have been a magical secret pick anyways. So it's not even like you're so much freeing it up. Yeah. Um, oh, pretty so it's pretty just, low implications here. Right. Um, some of the highlights, there's a bunch of them, but like Mirror Image, I always love that spell. It's a good defense spell where you create three duplicates of yourself and if something hits you, they got to try to hit you they like roll a d20 and hit the wrong thing and it's not concentration it's really nice slow is a good spell good uh battlefield debuff um they do get heroes feast which is a high level six level spell um it costs like a thousand gold to cast we just use that in our our main campaign to go fight a green dragon because it makes you immune to poison and fear and gives a bunch of temp hp and advantage and wisdom saving throws increase to max hp oh increase to max hp HP. that's what's so dang cool about it Right. So another class having access to that, sure. Great. Um, the rest of them, I don't know. Hit or miss, I guess. Yeah, just just nothing yeah, too special spray, to say. Command, As you said, large reduce. It's already covered by Magical Secrets if they wanted it. Uh, I will say, just from a thematic standpoint, Hero's Feast does seem very fitting to me because mm-hmm. I am now imagining the bard regaling everybody with a tail over dinner. Uh, while they enjoy their feast, just seems, again, fitting. Uh, though I guess they right. need some time to eat as well. But maybe they can <laughs> scarf down an hour's worth of food in five minutes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so spells. Nothing nothing crazy exciting there. Uh, then at level two, as an optional feature, they get magical inspiration. 
So if a creature has a bardic inspiration die from you and casts a spell that restores hit points or deals damage, the creature can roll that die and choose a target affected by the spell, add the number rolled as a bonus to the hit points regained or the damage dealt. And then the bardic inspiration die is lost. So it's just another use for bardic inspiration. Um, it feels like it steps on Valor Bard a little bit because they have the bardic inspiration where they can add it to their damage roll. But that's not spells. Yeah. Yeah, the only thing I'll say is that it doesn't feel necessary at all. This seems yeah. like a way that they have used bardic inspiration in, in other ways, as you just said with the Valor Bard. If they wanted this, it could have just been in a subclass somewhere. Um, bardic inspiration by itself, even without any of the subclass modifiers, very strong. Mm-hmm. Ability that gets tons and tons of use. I don't really think it needed anything, and I think this will probably get forgotten as an optional feature at most tables. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. It's it is nice that's given something to spellcasters because I have a bard right now um, in our main campaign, and I almost never give the bard inspiration to one of the spellcasters because I'm a valid bard, and you know, give it to someone who could use it for their AC or plus to hit or something like that. But it's, it, I mean, it's adding to damage, where that's right. usually not worth it. Using that whole bardic inspiration for an extra 1d6 to damage, where it's usually better to make a miss into a hit. Or if you're Valor, use it as a reaction to up your AC to make the enemy miss you, or stuff like that. As opposed to just using it to add an extra 1d6 on your Firebolt. Yeah, it feels you know, a little better at lower levels. Um, and yes, it does scale up to a d8 and then a d10. But it's still just not a ton of damage. Okay, here's one thing I'll add to this discussion. The only thing, and I think we'll be done with it. This damage, I believe, would crit. So if you could do it after an attack hits, can you? Or is it just a um, spell? It's, so if they cast a spell that restores hit points or deals damage. Yeah, so I guess if, if Guiding Bolt crit... Then could they choose to do it afterwards? Add the number rolled as a bonus to the hit points regained or damage dealt. That doesn't sound like it would crit. It's like you roll the number and and you roll the die, you get a flat number and you tack it on as a bonus. So the recent phrasing as I've seen is that when it shouldn't crit, it says immediately afterwards it adds this damage to say that it's a separate instance. This sounds like it is adding it to the initial instance because it's a bonus to it. Mm -hmm. Maybe... I don't know. That's worth looking into. Yeah. What, you come to this show expecting us to be experts on this stuff? Come on. <laughs> we just ask questions and think on things. <laughs> sure, I can see it going either way. And then yell at Jeremy Crawford when he doesn't give us good info. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and that F4 to get bardic versatility. Every one of, every class has gotten at some version of this where they could change things up so when you hit a level where you uh, get an ability score improvement you could replace one of the skills you chose for expertise with something else you're proficient in or you could uh, replace a cantrip that you learned real real simple stuff same thing we say for all of them it's nice that it's codified but i think most dms are pretty lenient on switching stuff around yeah the changing in expertise does feel a little bit weird just from a purely mechanic or i guess flavor standpoint the idea of changing Mm -hmm. what you're really good at just (laughs) because you leveled up seems a bit odd but whatever it's a game 
Yeah, and you could flavor it as you've lost focus on this one thing and that skill atrophied as you've been focusing on this other. I stopped looking at stuff, so I no longer have expertise in perception, and I started intimidating people all the time, so now I'm good at that. Sure. It feels a little weird. <laughs> uh, yeah, it depends on what it's going from, yeah. too. You're sure. good at stuff because you learned how to magically play guitar. Uh, <laughs> it's not really screwing with my head that much. Fair enough, fair enough. So that was it, but yeah, right? Yeah, that's it for the optional <laughs> class features. So real quick. All right, so now we can move on to the College of Creation. So I I would say the College of Creation is it's kind of the bardiest bard, like the quintessential bard. Um, and the flavor text of the player handbook, it goes into details about how bards, their source of magic is pulling from the Song of Creation. Like clerics, it's divine power from their gods and wizards. It's the study of the arcane and the weave and the manipulation of that. Bards, it's tapping into the Song of Creation. That That is why there's such this connection between music and performance in bards, even though it's not a completely necessary, it's very common and very much baked into the flavor. So the College of Creation Bards really just hone in and and focus on it. They're studies of that. They're students of that. They have a deep understanding of that and learn to fully utilize it to put their own creations into the world. Yeah, and this has a lot of parallels with the Order of the Scribes Wizard that came out in Tasha's Mm -hmm. as well, where I get the feeling that it's very much like the, as you said, the quintessential version of this class, which I probably would have prescribed to Lorebard before this, but I think this takes over for that idea of what is a a classic bard. Yeah, absolutely. So the mechanics at third level to get the moat of potential. This is basically, I think it is truly every... Bard subclass gets a modification to their, not a modification, in addition to how they can use Bard Inspiration Die. Uh, this is the College of Creations. So whenever you give a creature Bard Inspiration Die, you can utter a note from the Song of Creation to create a tiny moat of potential which orbits within five feet of the creature. Uh, it's intangible and invulnerable and lasts until the die is lost. You can kind of flavor to look like however you want, a musical note, a star, a flower, some symbol of life, things like that. Mine's going to be a poop emoji. Nice. Yeah. Just like a smile in that poop emoji. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Poop's essential to creation. Fertilize the earth, the tr- plants grow, animals eat the plants. There you go. And then they poop and yep. circle of life, man. And I'm not going to go into what the note from the song of creation would be for that one. That a fart So joke? let's. Yes, it is. <laughs> nice. We're high class here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So when a the creature uses the bark inspiration die, the moat provides an additional effect based on what, what the die is being used for. So if you use the die to boost the results of an ability check, sorry, yeah, the, the creature can use the bardic inspiration die again and choose which role they want. So basically they get an advantage on their bardic inspiration die roll. Um, if it's for an attack roll, so after you roll your attack, if it's you know you want to up it, you can roll your bardic inspiration and then um, after doing it, the moat shatters thunderously, and the target in each creature of your choice that you can see within five feet must succeed on a constitution saving throw against your spell save DC, or take thunder damage equal to the number rolled on the bard inspiration. Um, just to note, it is your spell save as the bard's DC. You're not having to do it for whoever whoever made the attack, which is nice. And then finally, if you use it for a saving throw to up that... 
Um, the creature gains a temporary hit points equal to the number rolled on the Bardic Inspiration die. Plus your charisma modifier, minimum of one. So nice little perks. Um, there's no limit of this. It, it says you can create the moat, but there's not saying like you could only do this up to your proficiency bonus or something. Um, so I don't know why you just wouldn't every time you give someone a Bardic Inspiration die. That, that is limited to your charisma modifier per long rest and then at fifth level it's per short rest. But Yeah, I always wonder if if this would be something that would affect social situations. You know, it's always said that if you cast like charm person in the middle of a conversation and it fails, that is a social faux pas because you are now trying to use magic to influence this this conversation. So if you right. are in the middle of talking and the bard starts, you know, strumming their lute and pulling a note from the song of creation and you see this little musical note start to fly around the party face, I feel like that person gets a little bit like what what are you doing? What's going on? Why did that disappear after you tried uh convincing me to do something? It, it and why do I, I feel so compelled to listen? Yeah, to that? right, exactly. <laughs> um, so like that always is just a weird thing to me from a, a actual in-game perspective. It's like if you're making it a visible thing, then the world has to be able to interact with it. And if you don't want that, then don't make it visible. Be like, only the bard can see. Okay, great. Now, now it all moves on from there. Yeah. No, that's a very good point. And I think a lot of tables handle it differently. Because the same thing with spells. I, I know we, we do try and play where if you're casting a spell, it's a noticeable thing and people could react to that. But it is, we haven't always played that way. And it is very easy to forget that. And almost treat spells as just like, they just happen. When it's very much not the case and not how it's intended to be. So I could absolutely see, see some tables just ignoring the aspect that they see that and it's just it's no big deal. And then others really trying to make it where it's like, yeah, it's there. People notice it. it people are weary of what's going on with this moat. Yeah. And I guess the reason why I, I don't like that is just because it's it's putting the the onus on the DM to be kind of a jerk about it. When I want this to be used, I want bardic inspiration to be usable in social situations, but we have determined that casting a spell is a thing. People notice. I mean, there's verbal and somatic components. You're waving your hands, gesticulating wildly, and speaking some some phrases, zibbity-bobbity-boo, and that's noticeable. So you can't just, I don't know, completely ignore it. Play it how you want, obviously, but it, it's just, I wish it just didn't say that it was it was a visible thing. Right. So in terms of the actual mechanical be- benefits, so the ability to check one, basically you could you get advantage on your inspiration die roll. You roll it twice, pick the higher. Well, you can pick either one, I guess. I don't know why you would <laughs> yeah. pick a lower, but if you really I, want I think to that's, <laughs> I think that's fantastic. It's always a really terrible feeling to like roll your bardic inspiration die and hoping it's going to be enough because you're like you're like three away and then you roll a one. And now, of course, it could still happen. You can roll two ones. You can roll one and a two, and it's still not enough. But I, I think it's a much needed buff to that because the bardic inspiration goes away regardless of if it succeeds or not. Like if it gets you over that threshold, right? And it fits in line with what we were saying. If this is the the bardiest bard. Because it now feels like it's taking that standard bardic inspiration and just makes it better without mm-hmm. question. 
So yeah, I love it. I think that's probably one of the most useful, one of the most useful bardic inspirations. Uh, yeah. The attack roll one's interesting. So Valor Bard does this, and we mentioned that earlier, where um, when you make like a yeah, weapon attack, you could add it to it. And this essentially would do the same, but it's now an AOE to everyone around, and there's a DC added to it. So I guess it does kind of balance out nicely. It has the potential to hit more. It doesn't have to just be a weapon attack. I don't think this one, this is just an attack roll, right? Attack roll, yep. So uh, this could happen off of spells, too. Yeah, so it's within five feet of the moat, too, which is interesting. So you could be, like, attacking somebody 30 feet away, but the moat explodes next to you. So a little, little weirdness there. But if you're surrounded by people, you know. Yeah, that I feel like the wording on this is just hurting my head a little bit. <laughs> so uh, if, if anybody else listening is confused, I guess you're not alone. If I am a ranged attacker and I shoot somebody... 30 feet away, and I add my Bardic Inspiration die to that roll, does the moat explode on me or at the origin of the attack? It, the moat explodes. Right, right, but where does... So immediately after the creature rolls the Bardic Inspiration die to add it to an attack roll against a target, the moat thunderously shatters. The target in each creature of your choice that you could see within five feet of it... They should have just said the moat, but the moat there, is always it, around. Is it? Yeah, yeah, so it's always on you. So if you're a yeah. ranged attacker, you might not want to use this, or you might not get as much benefit out of it, right? Because it's exploding next to you, and you don't have anything within five feet of you, right? So yeah, it just happens. Um, you don't have the choice to have it explode or not. And I, I, I misspoke a little bit. I was implied said stuff that implied where this is a you choose to add it to the damage. This happens when you add it to the attack roll. So like right. you, you go and you miss your attack and you add it to the attack roll and now it hits and the moat explodes. Even if it doesn't hit, the moat still explodes. Right. So just an added benefit to it. It's not a new way to use it. So yeah, I would not give it to a ranger um, or to like the caster. And most, well, then again, it's their choice to have how to use it. You just give them bardic inspiration and then they choose to use it for this or not. But, right, right. I mean, again, at the very least, they're getting the addition to their attack roll. So cool, that's something. Uh, you get the most benefit out of it if there are enemies nearby. That said, it's not that much of a benefit. It's it's pretty teeny tiny, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, constitution saves, as Will is oh so familiar with, are probably one of the most common <laughs> saves for monsters to have and enemies that are actually worth a damn because Wizards of the Coast recognize that stunning strike is ridiculous. And if everything failed constitution saves... We wouldn't have a fun game. So it's an easy one to to target, or I guess a hard one to target. And even when they fail, it's not that exciting of a a number. I mean, we're talking on average, you're around a D8 with Bardic Inspiration, maybe up to a D10. And that's four to six damage we're talking about. Now that's per enemy around you. So I guess you might have a situation where you're completely surrounded, but then you're still completely surrounded. So I would actually Mm -hmm. have rathered this push creatures back and do zero damage. I think that would have been a little bit more interesting. Um, And maybe, you know, that, that I'm sure we could have a back and forth about how, well, now melee people are are out of range and maybe that's not good and blah, 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 blah. Sure. But I just think that the 
four, six, four to six damage isn't really interesting enough to throw on here, and making some AoE or battlefield control just would have been a more interesting route to go. Yeah, I could see it either way. Or like disadvantage on their next attack if they fail. Like things that feel right. barty. Just adding more damage doesn't feel barty. Yeah. No, I get that. All right, and then the same with throw one where after you use it, uh, you get 10 hit points equal to the number rolled on Bardic Inspiration. That's a nice little boost. It's not going to be a crazy number, but still, free 10 hit points and using your Bardic Inspiration to try and pass a save that you just failed is a well worth it by itself. Yes. No, regardless. So probably some temp HP thrown on top. Great. Yep. Yep. Using it for to save on a saving throw that you would have failed is probably the best use of Bardic Inspiration you can use every single time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the amount of temp HP, eh. If you have a Twilight Domain Cleric in your group, you probably won't even want that temp <laughs> HP. That's, That's true. Be That's dog dude. That is a good point. They, yeah, there are now some subclasses that give out a lot of temp HP. But that's it for the yeah. different Bardic Inspiration Most. uses. Yes. So then also at third, they get Performance of Creation. So this is as an action, you can channel the magic of the Song of Creation to create one non-magical item of your choice in an unoccupied space within 10 feet of you. Um, it must appear on a surface or in a liquid that can support it. The gold point value can be no more than 20 times your bar level, and the item must be medium or smaller. Uh, it glimmers softly, and you can hear faint music when touching it. It disappears after a number of hours equal to your proficiency bonus. And there's examples of like the equipment area and stuff like that. Uh, once you create an item with this feature, you can't do so again until you finish a long rest, unless you expend a spell slot of second level or higher to use it again. You can only have one item created by the set of time. If you reuse it, the first one immediately vanishes. As you level up, um, when you hit sixth level, the item could be large, and 14th level could go up to huge. So this seems super useful for really creative players. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. But just by default, it it doesn't sound very interesting. Yeah, I mean, there are spells and stuff that could do this. I think the Forge Cleric could do something similar too. They can make right? well, items yeah. worth under a hundred gold, or was it under ten yeah, gold? It's, it's. I think it's a hundred. That's what I thought. But it's based off level. But it doesn't come up as much as you think, and it really stops being useful rapidly in the game because. You're like level 12 or 14. It's like, we don't need a crowbar anymore because we're level 14. We just do things with our hands. Yeah. Right. And it doesn't give a whole lot of guidance into what can be made. Like, could you use this to make a key that will work in a specific lock? I would say no, but there's like, it doesn't specify anything about anything like that. So I can absolutely see people trying to argue for that. Right. And then, I mean, I would you know, go can, off of the, like, you know, ruling at the table. Uh, I'd probably look at what other second level spells can do because it is placing it at a second level, more or less. Right. That's true. And I don't know what, what level knock what, is. I was about to say, yeah. What level is knock? Yeah. Pull it up. All right. Keep talking. <laughs> well, that's, that's what I need to hear. But if oh. it is the same level as knock, second, it's second level. Then sure, a, a skeleton key for this specific doorway. Sure, you're getting around an ability check, or maybe you know nobody here has a lockpick set. Fine. Yeah. 
but it's yeah, you can the, make a rowboat for the record. That's like I, all I was thinking was, can I make a rowboat with this? The why? answer is, yeah, I, there's no reason. Why? No, why did you want a rowboat? They're cool. I don't know. I was okay. Just, you just like I think sit of in making in things a, like, with my mind. It rowboat. Rowboat's first thing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you just like sitting in a tavern in a landlocked town, thousands of miles from any <laughs> major body of water. Rowboat. And just drag it down the road. I think we figured out what Will's song of creation is. <laughs> row, row, row your boat. That would be the worst character ever. The row your boat <laughs> creation warlock. You just always sing that. Bard. Creation bard. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> warlock bard, same thing. Now we're getting into the Strixhaven UA. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, I do think this is one that at a creative table and with a lenient DM becomes extremely powerful, but with a really mm-hmm. strict DM or a, we'll say just a player who doesn't really get what's going on, and I wouldn't blame them for not getting it, it just feels kind of weird. And I really don't know how often we're playing D&D and in a actual session, we say, ah, if only we had this object. It just doesn't really come up. And and maybe it's because we haven't been given the ability to just poof those things into existence. But Will, you said yourself when we were playing, when you were playing the Forge Cleric for about 10 months or so, I remember us having the conversation of can we use this forge cleric's channel divinity to get around this problem and the answer was generally no it's not going to be that helpful so I, i'm pulling up now the forge cleric thing so it takes an hour it's an hour-long ritual right and you have to have the raw material okay so that but i think and, you and could then, just use and it needs it needs metal i think you could just use like a hundred gold though you could yeah so that that wasn't like that much of a limiting factor. But you couldn't make right. huge objects or large objects. So I know in the recent one shot we did, you all didn't have a cart. So the bard of creation could have been like, haha, here's a cart. I made one. And then right. it disappears after a certain amount of time. And I guess they have to do it again. I don't yeah. know. I mean, yeah. So that's... that's I, I think there'd be uses. Um, yeah. Also, I think... So it, and nowhere does it say like an item you're familiar with or have seen or anything like that. Um, so that does help, you know, it just, it in terms of like the specific key or things like that. Um, I know like IDs aren't really a thing in the world, but sure. like if you do, ha- you know, like documents, fake a document this that, way. That's what I'm thinking. It's like, imagine there's a, a secret ledger like guarded in the deepest vaults of a lost hidden temple and you're like, just... If I think about it hard enough, we can just read that bad boy off. Yeah, yeah I that's where it definitely gets a little weird. <laughs> and then the DM's like, oh, I forgot to mention that thing was, that piece of paper was magic. It was very, very, very magical. Yeah, that's, yeah, kind of an interesting way to think about it. But I don't know if I would allow it to have knowledge that you don't have. That seems wrong. Because it's about creation, yeah. not about pulling things that have, I don't know, just making a book or anything seems just seems wrong. Yeah, I would say it's blank. You know, you, yeah. it's like it like looks like the the book or whatever, but sure. it, it's just blank. Now I like, would you have argue to fill it if it was something that you knew. Like for example, you are an aficionado when it comes to uh, horses, 
I don't know, you could probably make a quick little zine on horses, just like, boom, here you go. That seems kind of fitting. Yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah, like, yeah, if it's text, you have to fill it in. You can't pull right. the text What from. kind of Pokemon tier <laughs> quest puzzle thing would that be? Why do you always go for I can't let you pass, unless you bring me a horse magazine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I... I'm trying to think of scenarios where I'm giving an answer without having a question. All right. So if you could just college of creation out answers, then go for it. But I'm working with what I got. Uh, I don't know if you all have have done any Internet research on this, but there was a a popular post going around that was kind of, uh, for lack of a better term, stupid where they were saying that you could make rules as written an anti-material rifle. Because that is in the equipment section of the DMG, and you could animate it using that six-level ability, and basically have a an anti-material rifle that just shoots for you and does force damage and all of this stupid stuff. It was just like but these this... three pa- three paragraphs of just you know D and D players being D and D players. <laughs> I know we didn't. Aren't get there to bombs in next, here? But the, but the animate object thing in the next one, like it, it gives you a stat block. Yeah, it's not like it replaces whatever the item was. Yep, it was stupid. It was, yeah, okay. It's just <laughs> very much. If anybody looks it up, because it was literally, if I researched anything about the College of Creation, it was like the first thing that came up. It was just, mm-hmm. just the ramblings of a madman that needed to stop. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's like, that's always the best reads, though. <laughs> right. Just like, this This isn't how the game works. If your DM just says, yeah, sure, you can make an anti-material rifle. Why not? That doesn't, you know, go around the entire established lore or anything. Fine. Here you go. Right. Uh, you could make, like, actual equipable equipment, weapons, armor, things like that with this. If you need something in a pinch, um, which would be a little, little strange, but... If you in one of the situations where you lose all your equipment, you get the great sword for your fighter back to help fight out or something like that. Yeah, I actually did see some good suggestions for that. Like, say you're fighting a monster that is resistant to slashing damage. Well, you can quickly make a bludgeoning weapon for your for your fighter. Right. And those types of, of quick fixes are, I think, really neat, though usually fade out in need as you level up get more items, get more whatever. But, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, I'll say table dependent, but I could see that being useful. Having the right tool for the right job is a valuable thing. That's an artificer ability, being able to make different uh, paths, artisan tools. tools. It's artisan tools, which is super limited. It's just that. And it's like, if you were proficient in something, you would probably already have it on you. Yeah, I don't remember exactly how that 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 was a bad one. It was bad. Um, another thought with this one, though, is like going back to the kind of espionage, trying to infiltrate something, like create like the guard's armor and like Tabard. Tabard okay. However you say that. Yeah. Like the card, guard's colors or something. You should be able to get a pretty good disguise going with this, which... And yes, there's like the first level spell, Disguise Self, which kind of does it, but that does not hold up to physical scrutiny. Like, you could literally, like, pass through things. Where this one, no, it's physically there, but it glimmers softly and you hear music. Never mind. Oh, that'd be really oh, funny. Oh, fuck. <laughs> no, they, they, man, that, that ruins a lot of it. Trying to, like, fake papers or anything like that. Again, it just <laughs> wouldn't work point. for that. Yeah, it's oh, very... This, why would they put that line in there? This is, like, what I was saying. Probably to fuck you. 
<laughs> this is what I was saying with the moat. It's the same thing. It's that when you make it obvious to everybody that it's a thing, it now just brings up a lot of questions that I don't want to have to ask at the table. Just let it be cool. Let the cool thing be cool. Right. Yeah, that ruins a lot of like infiltration, espionage type things you could do with this. But it doesn't ruin the boat. You're <laughs> Actually, right. you could have a, it, makes it makes the it boat better. better. <laughs> yeah, everybody sitting in the boat can hear the music. And they get to have right. a fun time while you're rowing across the chasm or whatever. And, and a nice like aesthetic light show. Cast yeah. on the water. Ooh, that'd be nice. So I do worry that <laughs> as a third level ability or as a, a major class feature of this character of the subclass it kind of feels a little jokey which you know i think it'll have some uses i think a lot of times it'll just be used for for the laughs uh the right tables it's going to excel at the wrong tables they're going to wish they didn't have it or just not care so luckily that's not the only thing they get the mode of potential is pretty pretty solid for third level so this is just a nice kind of bonus I'm sure it would come up when when you have that yeah. and you know it is an option to be able to do this, you will find it uses this will become the solution to problems. Yes, or the problem to solutions. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if you're if you're really playing D&D, right? All right, moving on. Uh 6 level we have animating performance. Uh so as an action you could target a larger, smaller non-magical item within 30 feet and animate it. Uh the item uses the dancing item stat block which they list here and we'll get to in a minute. Um, it's friendly to you and your companions obeys all, obeys all your commands. It lives for an hour or until its hit points are reduced to zero or until you die. In combat, it changes your initiative count and goes immediately after you. Um, it can move and use its reaction on its own, but it will only take the dodge action unless you use a bonus action to command it based on what's in its stat block or additional actions that everyone has access to. Um, if you are incapacitated, though, the item can take any actions of its choice, not just dodge. When you use your Bardic Inspiration feature, you could command the item as part of the same bonus action for use of Bardic Inspiration, which is really nice because Bards are a little bonus action heavy. Um, there's also a couple spells, too, that I use them. Um, and so that's nice where you don't have to choose, like, do I want to inspire somebody or have my animated item do something? It's, you can do both. Uh, so this item could be used once per long rest unless you expend a spell slot of third level or higher and then you could use it again uh, you can only have one item at a time if you recast it yeah the old one immediately dies so the stat block it's a dancing item large or smaller construct um armor class of 16 hit points of 10 plus five times your bard level so right away that's pretty solid um decent hit points a lot of times these summons and stuff and just like they could be really really fragile 16 ac's Nothing crazy, but it's not terrible. But five, the five times your bar level is always nice. So, well, we would, and when you get this, it would have 36 hit points. 40, sorry. Not, yeah, it would have 40 hit points. That's math. I, yeah, math. <laughs> and obviously it just keeps going up from there. Five, five hit points every time you level up. So I think that keeps up nicely. It's not going to be like a tank, but it will definitely absorb hits. Yeah. Uh, it has a, I don't know how many times this is going to be targeted. I mean, it's, right. it's just not... Well, we'll see. I don't know. Right. But it has some survivability. It's yeah. not It's not like a familiar where you breathe on it and it dies. Uh, a speed of 30 feet and a fly speed of 30 feet. 
which is always appreciated. Strength of 18, Dex 14, Con 16, Intelligence 4, Wisdom of 10, and Charisma of 6. Nothing, nothing crazy there. It's immune to poison and psychic damage and immune to the conditions of charmed, exhausted, poisoned, and frightened. So some nice nice immunities there. Um, Dark Vision out 60 feet. And some passive stuff going on. Immutable form, so it's immune to any spell or effect that would alter its form. So it doesn't come up a whole lot, but nice to just put that in there. Pretty common and for a construct. Irre- yeah. And then irrepressible dance, another passive effect. So any when any creature starts its turn within 10 feet of the item, the item can increase or decrease your choice of the walking speed of that creature by 10 feet until the end of the turn, provided the item is incapacitated. So that's great. Um, I like that a lot. Just some nice battlefield control, boost your party, slow down the enemies. And it doesn't take you like a, a reaction or anything. It just happens. Yeah, the the only thing is I wish it was just if you passed through it. I get why it's not, because then you could probably cheese this a little bit more. But I don't feel like 10 feet movement speed increased or decreased is so strong that I'm terribly worried about that. Um, I don't know. It's I, I would like to see how this gets used at the table. This is a hard one to conceptualize because I feel like the extra 10 feet of movement, as you said, probably nice, you know, get your melee peeps out onto the battlefield a little bit earlier, which is always good. Or if you put it near the enemies, you can slow them down uh, and you can create this within 30 feet of you. So if you get close enough that you basically make the object right next to the enemies, then you're slowing down there martial people to to not get into position right but i just i don't know it's it's okay it's kind of interesting but i'm not in love with it but that might just be like a personal opinion (laughs) i I don't don't know how the the general community feels nor do i care (laughs) it's a nice little nice little boost just as a free thing that happens with it um i think it's actually really really good because it 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 doesn't lock anything down, but the this will make it so that any kind of humanoid standard type enemy with 30 foot move speed can't escape this thing and really wouldn't realistically be able to catch you as the bard. So you could kite with the assistance of this dancing item. I could see that. Using it specifically mm-hmm. to kite and lock down an enemy could be a little more useful. Right, and since it has a fly speed, it can be hovering above, not making them harder to hit. Yeah, and That'd I'm be really yeah. freaking annoying. Yeah, and I guess if you if you had it chasing your and kind of backing up your your martial characters, then it does give them a little bit more freedom. You know, they finish killing one enemy over on this side of the battlefield, and now they need to get all the way over there. Well, this will make it so that that's a little bit easier. They don't have to waste a turn dashing potentially. Yeah, definitely. And then for its actions, Force Empowered Slam, it's a melee weapon attack. Um, so it's your spell attack modifier to hit. It's a reach of five feet and not a hit. It does 1d10 plus your proficiency bonus in damage and it's force damage. Which is a pretty solid hit. Uh, at six level, you would be... What's plus your proficiency three. bonus? Yeah, plus three. So it'd be 1d10 plus three force damage. Yep. So it starts off around yeah. average of, of nine damage as a bonus action. It's not bad. Yeah. Yeah, free thing. Um, I don't know how often it would be worth using the third level spell. 
Yeah, so. it's no it's no artificer artillerist cannon. That's for sure. Which does right. similar damage and I think has similar HP. It just yeah, it, it honestly is a lot like the the artillerist cannon, isn't it? Yeah. Only yeah, the that's force at a ballista. range. That's a range of like 120 feet or something nuts like that. Yeah. And it does go up. I think it's a D8 and then goes up to 2D8 or something. And I know that that's like its main class thing. So it should be stronger. It'd be dumb if they were like of equal level. But this taking a third level spell to cast versus the first level spell that it takes to cast the artillerist cannon. I don't really get that. I don't I don't see this as a third level ability. You, I mean, Ardo, there's a there is a difference in the spellcasting capabilities of both classes. Yep. And like you said, th- while this is cool and it is a big part of this class, it's the bard stands on its own more than the artificer ever did. Yeah, that's true. So your little bonuses from your college, this is fun, but it's not the defining feature. And I think it's just going to get used frequently and it'll be useful. Yeah, I think it'll mainly be the free, the one free casting you get of it. Yeah, that's that's more the thing is I'm I'm hard pressed to think of a time where you're looking at all of the spells in your repertoire and you're like, this is what we need right now. I mean, it's nice that it's a it's basically a concentration free summon. And for that, it's it's all right. But eh, I'd use the free one and then I'd probably forget about it. Yeah. Lincoln's all worked up about it. Yeah, it's a good thing we have video yeah, now. So that way people can I say see. that everyone see my dog. Yeah. Unless you're on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Then you could maybe hear my dog, though I try and cut him out. (laughs) Yeah, he just stormed in here on a huff as we were talking about this. He has strong feelings. I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Tell him that he can't play a bard. He's a dog. Right. (laughs) But that's all I have to say about the dancing item. I Yeah. I don't feel that strongly about it, I guess. Will you say that it's got some use? I will end with, I'd like to see it at the table, just just to see how it plays out. All right, and then finally, at 14th, we get Creative Crescendo. So when you use your Performance of Creation feature, that's the uh, the third level one where you create a non-magical item, you can create more than one item at once. The number of items equals your Charisma modifier, minimum of two. If you create an item that would exceed that number, you choose which previously created item disappears. Only one of these items can be... Of the maximum size you can create, the rest must be small or tiny. You are no longer limited by gold point value when creating items with performance of creation. So this Pre- is pretty darn good. Is oh, Okay. I was about to say pretty lackluster uh, subclass capstone. No, right, because I, I wanna... you can make material components. You know that chalice that costs a thousand gold for the oh, hero's feast? Yeah, we're just going to make that now and use it. Damn. Okay, that's a really fantastic use that I did not think of. Okay. And actually, You're right, yeah, removing the gold point. Going um, back, actually, we should probably... That's really important. Even in the third level one, I forgot to, to mention that it's 20... Gold value is... 20 sorry, times your bard level. Yeah, 20 times your bard level. So even at... What level would you need to be? Math with me, people. For a 300 gold diamond... For Revivify? Yeah, for Revivify... That'd be that'd be level fifteen, 15. wouldn't it? Yeah, that's what I thought. So no way that's, that's gonna work. That's pretty up there. So You're right now it's at fourteenth year. Yeah. So I will say at fourteenth level, being able to create really any material component that is 
necessary. I, I can't think of a single material component that falls outside of this. For yeah. free. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. Heroes yeah. Feast a thousand. Yes. Yeah, it is. And this at 14, yeah, so you yeah, ignore the, the gold point gold. value. Okay. Yeah. And it's not a magical chalice. Like I know that one needed like a chalice. It's mm-hmm. just like a gem encrusted chalice. Yep. Everyday Heroes Feast just got to spend a six level spell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I know there's a lot of. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know there's a lot of like uh, components. They, they're either 100, 300, or 1,000. And so 100, you get to pretty early on. Mm-hmm. Uh, fifth. You know, fifth, fifth level. Um, you can start doing that. The rest of them, yeah, you would need to wait till this. But yeah, and I think yeah, the- I, I was really focused on the BN would create two. It's like okay, that's sure. And but the second one must be smaller, tiny. Eh. Like I, I don't understand why you would ever want to do that. Like I don't think I would be so feel so limited. It's like ah, oh, I had the perfect solution, but only if I could create two. Going back, magical mundane items. Going back to what you said about disguises you could make disguises for your whole party the glowing disguises but, we yeah glowing disguises that sing <laughs> they sing when um, they're touched do they actually glow i forget they glow they do glow glimmer softly softly weapons would be smaller tiny so yeah still as useful as it could possibly be no that's not useful at all yeah. like at all and, and again it still <laughs> wouldn't be for your entire party it's you create two your part is most likely like four. What are you talking about? No, no, no. Number of items equals your charisma modifier. Minimum of two items. Oh, up duh. to okay. five more if for some reason you're yeah. able to increase it. Okay, good point. Yeah, I misread that. Minimum um, of two. If you got to level fourteen as a bard, <laughs> and you've got plus your plus two charisma. charisma going, I was thinking about two. that because every other time in existence it says minimum of one this is the first time i've ever seen it say minimum of two so it's almost like they're kind of just it, it almost feels intentional like if you really if you went out of your way to make a bard with only 13 charisma and you got to level 14 first off good on you second off have two have two items at a time make it an increase <laughs> right because otherwise it would be if it was just your charisma modifier and you had 13 charisma it'd be just one item like oh up to your charisma modifier great i never increased that are you supposed to increase that as a bard is that important <laughs> yeah i just put it all in strength is that not okay <laughs> strength and intelligence <laughs> should have put a couple more points in intelligence <laughs> um so i think this does kind of beyond the material components thing that that i think alone is really huge and that seems mm-hmm. broken to me to be totally honest I don't know if I agree. Not at 14th level. I think it seems strong. Yeah. I think it seems cool, but I don't know about broken because it's still non-magical things. So how many non-magical things that are huge and below, because that's at most you can go as one object that's huge. How many are that game-breaking? Besides maybe a boulder. Could you just make a boulder and squish all your problems? I don't see why not. Okay. You could do this within like 30 feet of you, right? So there's like 30 feet up above the enemy. Yeah. A huge boulder. Why make a boulder when you could make a ball of lead? Yeah. Sure. Okay. And then you come like with the math prepared and you show the DM. (laughs) I I was about to say, do you think the DM is going to bust out a table based on the density of the material in question? You You know, they all fall at the same rate, Will. Don't you remember physics? What about a yes, ball of and lava? what is force equal? Mass I know, times yeah, acceleration. Yeah, yeah, all right. 
<laughs> but but yeah, what about a ball of lava? Then you just drop it on them from the sky. Now the question is that does that kind of an item? I don't know. Yeah. How big is a neutron star? <laughs> <laughs> a lot bigger than huge. <laughs> just, just I describe things as huge all the time. Right. Um, yeah, eight squares on the battle mat. 40 feet wide? Yeah, it's a star, right? Oh, you know what, actually? The item must appear on a surface or in a liquid that can support it. No creating boulders in the air. Oh. Um, right, so you do it at the precipice of a hill yep. or a cliff. <laughs> and it rolls down. Yeah. Who's <laughs> uh, going to piss off your DM? Who's going to like appreciate creativity but feel annoyed of having to figure out how to do damage for that? Yeah, you are. Because like 1d6 per 10 feet it's not fitting like you shouldn't do it as full damage that was my initial thought that would be way too little it'd be yeah, yeah. much too little there's a dropping a uh, a sack of potatoes 10 feet doesn't do as much damage as dropping a boulder 10 feet right so yeah i mean as for the the more items aspect i still i i don't know of ways that this is going to just be the solution to the problem where you need five pencils instead of one pencil but (laughs) it's there you know you'd never be without a pencil and that's pretty worthwhile you know how frustrating that is oh you forget a notebook and a pencil now you can make both that disappear in an hour yeah oh or like after your proficiency bonus or something like that yeah Yeah. they're not permanent it's not very good they're not permanent items (laughs) Um, which actually does bring up one question of if you were trying to make like tinkerers tools, is that considered one item? I don't think so. Okay, then how many items is it considered? It doesn't. Now give- we're doing some pretty fundamental like ontology questions. Like, is a rope a rope, or is it a collection of fibers? And are those fibers fibers, or are they a collection of molecules? <laughs> and that's that's where I take issue with this, it, though, is because the rules are supposed weird. to be kind of clear when it comes to this stuff, but instead... This is, this is inexcusably unclear to me. I, I just... Do you actually mean that, or are you, or are you mocking me? Yeah, I mean that. Okay. I, mean, <laughs> I can never tell. Here's the problem that they ran into. They wanted to give you a list of things that this could cover, but that list is too big, so they just left it completely open-ended. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I haven't looked extensively at the equipment list that it, it lays out, because that's fairly large. Um, I'm actually it's a standard to- play handbook list. You probably are familiar with it. Weapons, armor, and then like adventuring gear is all on there. Yeah. It's the whole chapter five of the player handbook. Yeah. Okay. It's it's actually a very large. I mean, ponies are officially on there. So. <laughs> but yeah. it doesn't cover everything that you would find in a town. Right. So you're right. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's not supposed to be. Uh, oh, my God. You could make a warship expanding on Will's rowboat idea just How for a little the bit. Warship? I don't know. Huge. Kept, it's gargantuan. It's, it's gargantuan. Yeah. <laughs> a rowboat is large. There you go. All right. Yes. Robo can happen. <laughs> Robo can happen. I told you. That's all that matters. <laughs> so you could also make a pound of platinum. And that's where things get kind of confusing, don't they? Because you could pull some real nasty tricks. Well, I don't think you could because that's not that. That is definitely not an item. Why is it not an item? It's a, a pound s- of platinum? Not platinum, oh, like, it's platinum. 
I always picture like platinum coins. No, 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 no. Okay. Like literally a block of platinum and you say, here I you go. You can make a huge cube of platinum. That's glimmering and... Sings when you touch when it. You touch yeah. it, yeah. Like, Which yeah, you really can't use it to tr- trick less. people. Yeah. Look at this magical platinum. Ooh. Roll a deception check. Right. So, yeah, all right. That's that's getting silly. Um, it would look really pretty, though. You could convince some Kuotoa that you're a god, and that's... That in its own right is pretty I say, worthwhile. I say, if you convince Kuotoa that you're a god, then you do become just a god. So yeah, that seems worthwhile. You're right. There you go. There's the thumbnail. <laughs> That's for this. how it works. Make yourself a god. All of our faces, right? Can Convoluted you? way possible. Yeah, you gotta have start doing that now, though, Kevin. Every single one of these thumbnails, you gotta have this. These you're doing really great jobs, by the way, with with these very pretty <laughs> thumbnails, and then just plaster our dumbass faces. Doing and then that's the just weird with really poorly cropped out. Yeah, yeah, just. <laughs> 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 so yes, there's a convoluted way to make yourself a god. It probably won't work, and your DM will smite you for trying. Mm-hmm. And I think your DM will smite you for having Heroes Feast every day. For the record, that seems just too much. I mean, you're casting a six-level spell. Mm-hmm. I I spent a lot of time recently coming to terms with Heroes Feast. <laughs> because <laughs> when I threw you guys up against an ancient green dragon, I had to go through every possible scenario. And they all came down to, you're going to use Heroes Feast. And that was not something that you could just... Not easily get around. You, you were going to get it. Anything I put in the way would have just been annoying. So if somebody wants to spend a six level spell every single day, when poison might not come up, when fear might not come up, when wisdom saving throws might not come up, uh, and they want their extra max HP, go for it. Just go mm-hmm. for it. Aid is probably yeah. a better way to get it. Yeah, I'm with you. It's the hero's feast is fantastic in the right situation. It's yes. usually doesn't need to be every day. Right. Um, yeah. And if you did block us from getting hero's feast, we would have just wiped. We wouldn't have survived that fight. Oh, yeah. Like there's no way his poison breath attack. It only did like it's 84 damage. Poison breath attack. Yeah. My, that's my max health. <laughs> my max health. You guys would have figured it out. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> For what it's worth to, to pull back the veil. I balanced the fight around Heroes Feast. I figured. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, probably would have been more of an adult green dragon than yes. an ancient if we didn't have that. Exactly, yeah. exactly. All right. But anyways, that is the College of Creation. Um, I think it's neat. I, I don't dislike it. It's like another part. I, I always I always keep going back to parts. It's another part I want to play. Um, I think there's creativity there. The mechanics and flavor mesh really well. Uh, but it's not like broken or something. It's I wouldn't feel bad playing it like I would like Peace Domain or Twilight Domain, as we talked about in recent videos. Sure. I, I wouldn't mind seeing it at the table. Um actually I think I'd be excited to have one at the table. But myself, I don't I don't want to play it. This gives like it's just not yeah. that interesting to me. The only thing that I legitimately like from this entire class is the better Bardic inspiration. So maybe I'd do a three level dip from something else because i think a three level dip into this maybe five just for that uh short rest bardic inspiration stuff um and being able to use this all the time could be really great uh oath of ancients paladin with a creation bard as a multi-class sounds really fun to me could be great Mm -hmm. flavor the idea of 
protecting the the song of creation as if it needs protecting maybe somebody's trying to fight it they're trying to kill music <laughs> some, 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 yeah someone's trying to get the uh, guitar attitude <laughs> this is the plot to dirty dancing right. <laughs> <laughs> is it did we watch the same movie <laughs> i never watched dirty dancing but okay. somebody doesn't like dancing and i assume that includes provocative music and that so- doesn't mean going back to the primordial origins of all life and existence and <laughs> stopping that from happening. Yeah, but like, it could. You could read that into Dirty Dancing, I guess. <laughs> I think that was what they were going for, right? Creation. No, I think they just wanted people to watch a dancing movie. <laughs> well, as I said, I didn't watch it, so I wouldn't know. But you know what goes really well with creation and songs? Bardley and using Bardley to create a song of creation for your games. And do you know what Bardley is, Kevin? Tell me. I'm not sure. Oh, good. I'm interested. Bardley is a service that you can use to seamlessly choose different soundscapes for your role-playing game, be it Dungeons & Dragons or some other game you're here to talk about Dungeons and Dragons so you don't care about other TTRPGs right now and you can get 50% off your subscription using the code MNM50 gets you half off three month subscription you get to play music for all your table and maybe if enough people sign up we'll start doing better promos and, and pre-scripting <laughs> this stuff so that I don't uh, just ramble for a little bit how's that sound we're not good at pre-scripted <laughs> It is not our forte. But it is an amazing service. I highly recommend checking it out. I've been using it for the last seven-ish months now. And honestly, when I, for some reason, if I can't use it, it would really detract from my sessions. I've had like one shots and stuff where it wasn't available. Love being able to play music. Love being able to set the scene. Makes it really simple. And if you're playing online, everybody can just go to the website that you send them and you can control the music as the dm or i guess let a player do it if they want to be dj for the night so check it out links in the description and as always to our patrons love you all names here are jeff w joe p vincent m isaac m sentinel d20 star shinobi adam a home bakery and ed g got another one to add to the list so thank you ed and everybody else. You're all great. Mm-hmm. That's the episode. Yeah. Yeah, like, comment, subscribe. Oh. Check the yeah, monstermalticlass.com for our website, slash support for Rod Sports, etc., etc. There's a thing on the screen. It's, yeah, basic stuff. Thanks for watching. Seamless execution. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>